Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it for the win. Welcome to Dunks and Discourse, episode 10. 10 sure seemed to fly by fast. It feels like we started this like a couple weeks ago. Um, happy to be back, talking some almost NBA news. We're, we're teetering. I can feel it, Jabari. We are teetering on the return of the NBA. How are you doing, brother? Not bad, not bad. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that you know in the lead-in to the show, and I, to be honest with you, I hadn't seen it yet. So, I'll be, uh, that, be honest with you, while it's not really news, it's exciting because it's at least something. Yeah, I mean, Ramona Shelburne uh, reported about 20 minutes before we started recording the show that um, the Players Association and Commissioner Adam Silver are going to get all the players in the call on the 8th. Um, I'd imagine that's going to be to tell them all the news before we get all the news, even though I wouldn't be surprised if something leaks first. We know we got teams getting back to practice. Um, I'm excited. I'm happy to have it. It's welcome news as we continue to all grapple with this reality. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it all works out. If it winds up being with fans in the stands, or you know, you know, nobody in the building, you know, that's not absolutely essential. You know, which while I I I've seen people complain about that on Twitter or you know just in various spots, I'll be honest with you, I think I mentioned it on the show. Beggars can't be choosers, man. Like I don't care if they don't have fans in the stands. While yes, it would be a little bit weird or different. After a while, you'll get used to it. And when I say after a while, I mean after a while, like within a game or two. It's not going to be something that's going to you know take away from our experience watching the actual players. Yeah, I I think I think to be honest. Like the fans aren't going to happen. It, it it just it is what it is. And um, you know, for me being in Calgary, when I get to go cover a game, that's always awesome. When I get to go watch a game as a fan, it's always awesome. But the reality is, for me, I'm not in an arena most nights. Yeah. So, like I assume most of us, I'm watching on League Pass or I'm watching, um, you know, on TNT or wherever. Um, but that's the reality. And 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 I want the NBA back, and I'm thrilled that potentially, you know, into the summer. And and with, you know, restrictions not totally eased up here in Canada, who knows what's going to be going on. It'll be a very welcome distraction from real life. You know what was interesting about that is, is, is uh, I don't know if you saw it, you know, the, the day when it was kind of announced that uh, they're at least considering starting in December and, you know, kind of playing through the summer. Uh, you know, you obviously were in favor of it. I was in favor of it. Did you see Sam's reaction to it? Yeah, I saw Sam was... Uh, I don't remember what his thought process was, but I know that he was against it. He, on second thought, he didn't like it or some, some, some. Oh well, that that's what I was. That was my second question because I was going to say I didn't see what you know what the cause was, but I was wondering what his issue with that would have been. But okay, never mind. I, th- I think the point was made that it's going to be harder for you know people with kids to watch NBA throughout the summer when they have their kids to entertain, and I'm just 
I mean, kids aren't home after school, or yeah. kids are home after, like, that. that's just not carrying a lot of water with me. Um, you know, I, I think maybe I can get from the players' perspective, they would rather have the summer off to be with their families, but I'm just selfishly fans first. And uh, if this works better for fans in the league, let's do this. I mean, you get millions of dollars to play basketball, you can take your two months in, you know, September. September, October, November, So you, whatever. you know how I'm normally on the opposite end of this? I'm actually, you know, uh, lock and step right here. Uh, yeah. The, 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 if it comes down to, and, and don't get me wrong, I feel for them, but this is what the money's for. Like, if it ends up being that, the, you know, that they go this direction, while I'll feel for them and understand that this is what you get paid for. And, and, and this is something that I've been trying to sell to you, like, even probably before we started podcasting together. Like, this is something that I stand on. Like, fans have so been so busy pushing for player agency over the last 10, 10 years and being anti-owner and anti-the man, anti-institution, they're forgetting that, you know, there's another camp, there's a third camp, and that is camp fan, camp average man, camp pleb, and and, and I'm all about that. And um, I want to see, you know, NBA be affordable for fans, I want to see it catering to its fans, and the, the problem I find with a lot of the online discourse on, on, on stuff like this is that people make it out to be like us versus them or we don't care or we can't uh-huh. understand each other. Like, hey, if you're an NBA player and, and you want to keep your summers free, you have a player's union. Absolutely advocate for yourself. And I would not begrudge any player for doing that. But that being said, if it's better for me as, as a fan to have you play in the summer, like I, I'm going to advocate for me. And I, I think that's okay. We can agree to disagree and leave it, let, you know, let it play out. Well, here's where I can straddle the fence on that. I stand by it being a good thing that, uh, you know, players are able to advocate for themselves. Players, uh, you'll have more freedom and have more power. I stand by that. But both things can be true. I can advocate for them to get paid and have, you know, like, and have more rights. But I can also advocate for the fans to say, like, no, no, no. Because I advocated for you to get paid and you'll, you'll live lavishly and do all of those things, which you absolutely deserve, I'm also going to advocate for the fans that they can watch the, you know, have a more pleasure or an easier experience in watching you play. I feel like I, I always feel like when you clarify, I end up feeling like or looking like the bad guy. To be clear, I'm not <laughs> saying player agency is a bad thing. I'm not saying that it was unwarranted or there was no reason that players had to push to get the freedoms and rights um, that they have today. It, that they had it was necessary. It was needed. But like the pendulum swung a little too far. And there's a third party that's kind of got left in the middle, you know, between owners and players, you know, kicking the ball back and forth. So that, that's just where I'm at. I'm closer to I'm closer to your side of it than than well than I ever have been. Okay. Probably more than you realize. That, that's a good that's a good start. We'll take okay. that. Um, if you didn't listen to the episode on Monday, and you happen to be a fan of a Central Division team, Milwaukee Bucks, Cleveland Cavaliers, Chicago Bulls, Indiana Pacers, or Detroit Pistons, we did discuss the Google form that we sent out that had you guys put together the Mount Rushmore for each team. Um, the, the latter half or the back half of this podcast, we are going to do the Atlantic Division. So if you're Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn slash New Jersey Nets, New York Knicks fan, um, that, that that's coming today. And then next week, we'll do the Southeast Division, wrap up the Eastern Conference. Uh, that episode will drop on Monday. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say this, you know, before we go into what we're binging, we talk about a little bit about movies here. Um, if you haven't liked, rated, or subscribed to the podcast, I'm not going to leave this to the end because, you know, in this climate, in this inflated market, if you enjoy the show and you interact with Jabari and I on Twitter, please take the time to do that. I mean, we, we were trying to make our way, build up this podcast from the ground up. So we appreciate your support. And if you have been listening, downloading, 
you know, you, you've been with us for all 10. You were with us before. You are interacting with us. We appreciate it. Um, with that said, Jabari, what are you binging this week? Uh, well, you know, for the most part, I, you know, I finished up or got caught up on everything that I had mentioned, you know, the past few episodes, uh, whether it's Bosch or Better Call Saul or, you know, Killing Eve or whatnot. Uh, so then I circled back um, to my Sopranos rewatch. Uh that was actually, you know, it's funny, uh, a few episodes ago, you, you mentioned that, you know, the aforementioned uh, Sam, you know, was going back through it, uh, but it was actually Talking Sopranos. I don't know if you saw me mention that on, you know, online. You know I'm a, I'm a podcast nerd. I love doing them. I love listening to them. But Talking Sopranos is hosted by Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharipa uh, for, you know, for for fans of The Sopranos. If, you, if you're not necessarily familiar with the actors' names, that's uh, Chrissy Montessori, you know, uh, what, Chrissy Montessori, or however you, you'll say his name, uh, and Bobby Bacula. Um, and it's fantastic. So in listening to that, that got me, you know, going back through the Sopranos and, you know, I, it, it, that actually made, you know, made me wonder, what are some of the most rewatchable shows for you? Um, rewatchable shows. You know what? I, I'm not someone who will rewatch a lot of TV. Mm. Um, if it's happened, it's happened. It, it's not like there aren't, there are movies that I watch over and over. I've watched the wire twice. I've watched lost twice. I'm making my way through The Office for the second time. I've watched Friends twice. I've watched Prison Break twice. Like, a, a few... There, there are shows, like, a decade apart or with, like, a new partner or, you know, you're like, oh, you got to see this. And you're happy to watch it with someone else and experience it. But I don't think I would ever watch many shows again by myself if I wasn't trying to share that experience. You know, you, you kind of hit it on the head. It ends up being when you're with a new partner or you, you got a new, you know, TV watch, you know, TV or movie watching buddy or whatever the case may be. Uh, because I, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I've gone through The Sopranos a couple times. I've gone through The Wire more than a couple times. Uh, you know, I also use, you know, shows like Entourage, you know, in all of its problematic uh, glory. Uh, you know, you know, I've even gone back and watched the first four or so seasons of Dexter. Uh, and I brought that up, I specifically say four or so seasons, because it makes me think of another one of these, and not for today, but for you know, a later episode, I, wanna, I want you to tell me what your, you know, what your worst series finales are. Just the worst. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can put more thought into it for another episode, but Dexter definitely comes to mind, because, mm-hmm. my God, it was like an infant got a hold of the final season and went to town. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of my front and like the binging, I finished Waco and it was really good. I'm surprised this didn't get more more talk because it's, it's two years old and uh, Taylor Kitsch was phenomenal. Rory Culkin was great. Uh, you got a cameo from the actual Thibodeau who was there um, at the end of the final episode. It, it was a pretty tough episode to take. What a crazy moment in history that I didn't really know much about going in, but would definitely recommend. It's only six episodes. It is on Netflix. If you haven't seen Waco, give it a look. Still plowing through The Office. Um, and you know what? What are you binging? Uh, we, we've primarily been talking about television, but the All the Smoke podcast that Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson um, have been, been, been running with. And I guess it, like it's actually a show on Showtime as well. Like, Have you ever watched the show? Oh, yeah. Shout out to Showtime. Two of, two of my favorite you know, shows of that nature in that one in uh, Deezus and Merle. You, you know, I've, I've never watched the show, but I've seen like an, enough aggregated lines from, you know, the podcast that I thought I'd check it out like, I don't know, a week ago, like actually listen to an episode rather than just comment on the news. And I, I've been pretty into it, man. Like I, I've really enjoyed their podcast. Um, St- Stack is okay, um, but I think Matt Barnes is like actually just a fantastic host and the the atmosphere 
on all the smoke. It, it is it is the fact that there's no bullshit and they can say what's on their mind and swear and talk about what they want to talk about. But it's more than that. It the guests that they have on there actually want to fucking be on there. Yeah. And even like CJ McCollum's pull up podcast feels very like what we get with every other media when they have a, a guest a lot of the time. You know, it's it's. it's it's formal, it's regular, and, and there's good moments, don't get me wrong, but, like, there's something about all the smoke where, like, it really does feel like the players are just kicking it, and, and you get to sit on in on it. And, I, you know, like, shouts to them. Um, I've listened to probably, like, 13 episodes in the last week, so nice. also on my list. I, I think, to, you know, to your point, I think I think it's it's so it's so successful in that way, like getting the people to you know, to buy in. And no, I'm not going to say you know, because they're smoking. Specifically because of the dynamics that you, you know that you broke down. You've got stack that you know definitely appeals to the old heads, 100. percent The old heads that that'll say like you know you know nobody in the world can ever compare you know to you know to, you know that's that's his lane, and he's great with that. Uh, where Matt Barnes, he can kind of vacillate between, and you know, yes, he has you know the the old school appeal, but as you mentioned, he's he does this. He could be in media in any you know in any other form of media if if he truly wanted to, and who knows if down the road he's going to you know that that'll be the case. But that combination is is, is just perfect. Yeah, and I mean, I, I listened to a few of them, and I, I did go back actually yesterday, and I watched listened to the Kobe one, mm-hmm. which which is insane because they only recorded it like. Yeah. 17 days before his passing or yeah. that's when it was posted to iTunes I didn't realize it was that close um, and then I, the one that I spent the most time talking about yesterday on my Twitter feed if you're following along was like the Chris Paul one um, which I saw you know that he the, the quote that got aggregated was that he missed Blake Griffin didn't know what he had until it was gone I guess but uh, the, the quote that did take strike me away was he was having a, a conversation with Clint Capella and Clint was like, throw me one more lobs, CP3. Like, you used to throw DJ a lot more lobs than you throw me. What, what's, what's with that? Chris Paul's like, one, I'm not tall like James. And when we set up the offense as far back as we do, I can't. I have to throw you the bounce pass because I can't throw it over the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, like, all I had to do when I threw a lob for DeAndre Jordan was just keep it in the arena. <laughs> and, and Stack and Barnes laughed, and I laughed. I thought it was a great line. But then I got, like, dragged into an hour and a bit of, you know, looking up highlights. First video I look up of Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan Law. It's a 15-minute video, mm-hmm. and, I, and they're not dragging a one-second highlight, like, six times over from six different angles for two minutes. Like, <laughs> there's 15 minutes of Chris Paul throwing lobs anywhere and everywhere and DeAndre Jordan finishing them. And, like, th- this was one of my favorite teams to watch in the moment. They were, like, aggressively fun. And I know you're a Lakers guy, so you're probably not quite on the s- same wavelength here. <laughs> but, I, but I've but i always loved, loved Chris Paul's game. And I just, I came away, I was like, man, I didn't appreciate DeAndre Jordan enough. We were always begging on him and what he couldn't be and, like, the limitations him and Blake had together and all that stuff. But, man, he was just, just a fantastic fucking finisher. Yeah, it, 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 he, you know, it was the perfect combination, Did those two. That was a perfect combination, and what's the funny thing about it is, you know, I don't know if every, you know, of course, if you played basketball or if you're, you know, a conscientious observer, um, uh, at which of what you're watching, you can notice this. But there's, it seems as though there's a lot of people that don't recognize. There's a difference between being able to jump out the gym, being super tall, and actually being athletic as all hell. And D, and DJ, you know, he had the dexterity, he had the flexibility, and it's a significant, you know, it is a skill. To be able to just you know to be able to catch the ball in air, yeah, and, and with and one hand, yeah, with one hand, 
like yes it, it has to do with you know the hand size or whatnot but there's plenty of big guys that don't have that type of you know that type of you know range of motion and that type of flexibility to be able to do that and dj you know that's one of the things that he absolutely does you know you know did well it's got to be one of the weirdest things that ever Google. But after watching that video and talking to a couple of Rockets fans um, on the timeline uh, about Capella and Jordan, the differences at Roosh Williams specifically, and he was talking about, do you remember Clint? Has Clint ever caught one with one hand? And like, I was like Googling like NBA player hand measurements, NBA player hands. I was trying to figure it out because I'm like, honestly, this should be the next wingspan thing because with all of the big men today, like you want them to roll and finish above the rim, like how many guys can catch it with one hand at different angles, you know, and, and finish it. And I was, you know, it's kind of probably one of the nerdier things I've ever Googled. I couldn't find any anything like the odd article talking about someone's hands, but like for real at the combine, they should start. I don't know how you would do it, like pinky to thumb across the hand, but it's worthwhile. Like it, it is worth worth investigating if you're a scout or whatever. Well, you know, you know. Of course, they they already do hand size, but I, you know, I don't know how you would be able to kind of gauge, you know, the the apps, you know, like I, I guess the functionality of it. You know, yeah. Depending upon you know, what motion you're using, and yes, everybody is like these are the biggest nerds of all time, so we can go ahead and bring it on back. <laughs> bring it on back. Although, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably fairly into basketball, as it? So, um, that being said, you know, speaking of nerd things, I'm just going to give a shout to to Pistons Twitter, which, did you see this Pistons Twitter, best Pistons tweeter competition they ran? I didn't. Okay, so this is like, speaking of nerd basketball things, at Detroit Bad Boys, which I think is, uh, it's the SB Nation Pistons account, <laughs> runs this... Uh, best Pistons tweeter, Twitter, every offseason, I guess. And last, so anyways, I got some friends who were trying to get me to, like, retweet their um, their name because they were trying to win this competition. And last year, I guess the guy who won this got a tattoo on his arm that was, like, what? most popular Pistons Twitter user. For real. I saw, the, I saw the picture. I was like, that did not happen. I saw a picture of this tattoo. How I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, so it's like, I, I gotta check this out because this is ridiculous. And I don't even know if the championship's done yet, but at Nicholas Henkel, shouts to him, who ended up, he's in the championship if he hasn't won it already, was up against Duncan Smith NBA, mm-hmm. who I don't know if you know both of those guys. I know you know Duncan. Yeah, but Duncan. They're both good guys. They're both good Pistons balls. But they were both like DMing me. Their friends were DMing me. They're like trying to get me to take a side. I'm like, I'm not gonna take a side in this thing. This thing got up to like 7,000 votes. Um, Tobias Harris was like endorsing Duncan Smith. Uh, Luke Kennard in, endorsed Nick Henkel, and then Blake Griffin dropped in at the final hour and and uh, endorsed Nick and might have pushed him over the edge. But like, and they were like, t- like Nick took a video shower and like spraying beer on himself in the shower, <laughs> after, and I'm. Just, it was it was quality entertainment to check in on, and there's there's layers to how much you love this community, and just well done to Nick and Duncan and the Pistons for like going all the way in on it. Okay, I, I can appreciate that. Is Nick? He did the redraft with us, didn't he? Ah, uh, yes, he did. Okay, yeah, that, that's where I know him from. You'll remember his team for being the stinker. He took like Derrick Rose in like, the first round or something. Damn, I wasn't gonna bring that up. All right, <laughs> had to do him like that. But the good news is he's, he's gonna get a tattoo this year, so. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's do these. Let's do the Mount Rushmores. Oh, okay. So, let, actually, before we do that, a word from our good friends at Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, 
You might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, sells hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, from that to more home entertainment. Guys, are you looking to last longer <laughs> and maybe go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work even faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't don't even need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. So last, like, not last week, on Monday, um, we did do the Central Division Mount Rushmore's. So if you want to go listen to that episode, please do check it out. came out Monday. Episode 9. Episode 10, we are doing Atlantic today. So, Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, New York. Um, and let's start with Toronto. All right. So, at in the honorable mention slot, and I, I felt like Toronto was the cleanest cut of any team so far. That was yeah, kind, it's kind, of, of, kind of pretty straightforward. Like, I put a couple more names in the poll just to, like, spruce it up a bit. I but it really, so. felt, <laughs> it really felt like there were only five names that deserved consideration. Um, and and no disrespect to Toronto, of course. I know you're not disrespectful, but I just want to make sure the Raptors fans know. But that's the rea- that's the reality. Yeah, I mean, take it however you want it, but that is yeah, that is what it is. Um, Pascal Siakam did get in more votes than I thought he would. He came in six here, but really? not enough. Um, so the honorable mention spot went to Bosch, okay. uh, which it 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 felt like it was going to be Bosch or DeRozan was on the bubble. So it was Bosch, then it was DeRozan, who was a fair bit ahead, then Vince Carter, then Kawhi Leonard, then Kyle Lowry. Okay. So uh, did you have that the same? I didn't. I had DeMar just on the outside looking in, but I completely understand why an actual Raptors fan would, you know, would still you know, hold, a, you know, hold him you know, you know, pretty highly in terms of their history. But I had Vince, Lowry, Bosch, and Kawhi with DeMar, Siakam, and Van Vliet on the outside looking in. Man, Fleet over Damon Stoudemire and Jose Calderon. Hey, look, Damon uh, Van Vliet was an absolute contributor to a title. Yeah. You well, know how I think about these things. You know, like one vote did go to other. So one person took one of their four options and made another. They, so I, I don't know who they were. I would be curious who that one was because I didn't have Mighty Mouse on there either. But, maybe um, it was Master P. Yeah, maybe it's Tracy McGrady too. I don't yeah. know. TJ Ford, Mike James, Anthony Parker. I don't know all the greats. Mo Pete, shout Mo Pete. I almost put Mo, I almost put Morris Peterson on this poll, and I was like, no, I can't do that. I, I wouldn't have been mad at you. By the way, yeah. TJ Ford tried to bang on Kobe on a fast break one time and got hung in the got hung at the rim. It's so sad that like TJ Ford was like nice, nice to mm-hmm. Canadians for a minute. Because that it is what it was. Um, I also had Bosch in over DeRozan. Okay. Now here's my thing. I don't feel super passionately about this. 
But the the period of basketball post Vince Carter badly needed Chris Bosh, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that the Raptors are a franchise if if Chris Bosh, you know, doesn't keep them interesting and competitive, you know, during that span. And uh, I I still think to this day he was a better player than like Lamarcus Aldridge in his prime. He's a better two way player, better rebounder, um, had layers to his game offensively. Very very good player. I thought Bosh deserved to be in there. However, he was a twenty and ten guy for several years on a you know for an organization as you mentioned after Vince left that it probably you know, it it very quite possibly couldn't you know wouldn't exist if he hadn't been able to do that. Yeah, I. However, I I do understand that Demar spent you know ten years with this franchise, mm-hmm. nine years with this franchise, you know put his heart and soul in it, really put Toronto on his chest, and that matters. You know he loved the city, he loved that team. And whether he would like to be credited with this or not, they don't win the championship if his value isn't high enough to, you know, get Greg Popovich's eye on a Kawhi Leonard deal. Now, Pop obviously got fleeced. But, you know, that that being said, there's something to the fact that DeMar made enough of himself and of the city to make that deal happen on top of his 9-10 year contribution. And I get it. So I, I'm not mad at you, you tomorrow in there, but it definitely felt like Lowry's the greatest Raptor ever, mm-hmm. given, given tenure in the title, Kawhi and, and Carter. And I, I, I still think Carter is the most important Raptor in franchise history, to be honest with you, but um, those three were locked. So fair enough. Yep. yep. Not, too, not too much argument there. Um, Boston Celtics. So... The, the list of players for the Boston Celtics is, uh, is their resumes are a tad bit longer than that of the Raptors. So th- this was tough. Um, I, I, I wasn't super thrilled with how the results panned out, but um, so their honorable mention spot went to Kevin McHale. Okay. Fourth, they had John Havlicek. Third, they had Paul Pierce. <laughs> Second, they had Bill Russell. And first, they had Larry Bird. Okay, but, so wait, timeout. So Paul Pierce makes it in. I know he's got a Finals MVP, and this is going to be hypocritical. So what? Um, but KG didn't even get in for honorable mention. No, KG was behind actually Kuzi, who came six. So I, I KG just, came I seven. Just got sick to my stomach, and you know why. But okay, that's. But but the problem is, the problem is Boston is hard because, like how people value the game when it started and those early titles values. Yes. Or it defers greatly. And then, you know, like, isn't Bob, Bob Cousy's the first MVP ever, right? So, um, I, I, you, you know, people get upset when we have this conversation about Bob Cousy. Yes, I recognize he was great at that time, but it's difficult for me to give a guy, you know, give a point guard all the credit in the world when he dribbled with one hand in a circle. I, I recognize oh, yeah. it's a little bit of shade, and I recognize Boston fans, you have the right to be upset, but y'all know damn well that that's what was taking place. Um, yeah, there are there are plenty of players, and even one on this list that we'll talk about in a second, who, who hold up in this era. But Bob, Bob Cousy... You know, I, someone found a lot of koozie tape about a year ago and put it on Twitter. And I, I, watched, I don't know how long it was, 20 minutes of koozie doing stuff. Yep. And I was like, I, 
I feel like I give Bob Cousy buckets. And now now this is just disrespectful. <laughs> now now this is just disrespectful to a legend because you can only be who you are in the era you played in and the guy did lead the league in assists like 10 times. But I remember watching him dribble up the court and I was like this is a guy that that people still credit with maybe the best handle ever and he can't even switch over. Stop uh, this. First of all, that is the that's the best that might be my favorite line that you've uttered on a podcast that we have ever done together. I feel like I can give Bob Cousy buckets because you know what? I know I could have when I was in shape. No, man. Anyway, okay. I, I, I'm almost three inches taller and I have both hands. There you go. There you know, like there's a chance. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe we're being disrespectful. Yeah, we are. So, we, we're being very disrespectful and very dismissive, but it is what it is. Mine just quickly were Bird, of course, Bill Russell, because I'm not putting a bunch of those, a bunch of guys from that era in there, but absolutely on Bill Russell, uh, Havlicek and KG. My honorable mentions were Cowens, McHale, and Sam Jones. The thing that's annoying with the '50s basketball specifically is people are already upset with like the Hall of Fame now. Like, Mo Cheeks getting in, we talked about, like, is, Mo, Mo Cheeks should not be in the Hall of Fame, I'm sorry. And, that, in, and that's good. You give buckets. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. Like, Mo Cheeks would give all these guys buckets. All you had to do was win a championship um, in the 50s or 60s, and if you played 20 minutes on a championship team, right. you were in the Hall of Fame, man. Like, there's, if you look through all the names in the Hall of Fame, you get to the 50s and 60s, and you're like, Oh, I guess that yeah. This guy was the eighth man on the Knicks those two years. Mm. Oh, this guy did win three titles with the Celtics, but like I didn't know who he was. Like, and, and I'm someone who prides themselves and reads a ton of basketball books, and I'm still like, what is the reason for giving this guy Hall of Fame? Bit? But anyway, Kuzi, all respect in the world. At his time, he was great. We'll say that. Yep. You know, yep. um, the one I had McHale in and Pierce out. I was never putting Paul Pierce in this. I don't oh, even man. care. Like, I rationally hate him. I, I I I don't even hate the guy, but this is it's, it's ridiculous to have him up there. Stop it. This. It started as a it started as like a bit to like yeah. make fun of Paul Pierce, but now I just the, I just don't like him. I just don't like Paul Pierce. I he, he wasn't great at anything. He was chubby. He faked the wheelchair thing. He wasn't the most athletic guy. He wasn't the best shooter. He wasn't the best facilitator. He wasn't the best defender. He was nice. He wouldn't be on this list if Kevin Garnett didn't come to Boston, if Ray Allen didn't come to Boston. We've talked about this before. I don't give a shit. Paul Pierce didn't make my top four. He can make the listeners' top four. So we so we are we are Celtic shaming. We are fat shaming. <laughs> We are. I said chubby. I tried to cushion that below. (laughs) I don't give a damn if you said chubby or not. You said that man was fat. All right, let's go. What? There's people coming at Zion. Zion's like not even able to work out, and he's like 17, and people are like, "This guy's fat." You know, like Prime Paul Pierce was was a little chubby. He could have been in better shape. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, he he came from an era where you know. Some of the people were in shape, and some of the people look like him. Pat, Pat Riley was making him do an extra couple weeks of training again. Oh, That's all man. I'm saying. He, he's not, he, he, he might get cut in, in camp. I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> of course. But yeah. Here's the thing, though, too. Like, John Havlicek should be over Paul Pierce. That was my thing that was yes. annoying. And they're, and they're swapped. But, like, Havlicek, and I, I was trying to remember who, who wrote this article, but I was reading an article back in the day about, you know, how Havlicek was received when I was doing a piece for Hoop a couple years ago about, like, greatest seasons ever. Yeah. And and the writer at the time was saying that, like, without a doubt to him, Havlicek was a better all-around player than Julius Irving. Now, now and, and people, 
who 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 followed the game, wrote about that game, r- routinely talk about how athletic Havlicek was, how his conditioning was elite, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So he's not someone who was just good in, in a weaker era. Like he could play. Um, do you know who the all-time Celtics leading scorer is? Well, I mean, it almost feels like a trick question when you ask that way. Like, is is it Havlicek? It is. Okay. You know, I, I assume most people would think it was Larry Bird or Paul Pierce, right? Well, I, I, Bird, I assume. Bird's career was shorter than a lot of people yeah. realize, and it was actually cut short even in those last couple seasons because of, or his, his production was cut short a little bit, you know, because of the, you know, because of the back. So but I can it, see, I can see that. Yeah, but it, but it, but it's Havlicek. I, I mean, he. I just I felt like he should have got more credit here than he did. I'm glad he made it in, but um, yeah. And well, then obviously Bird and Russell. I'm surprised there were 14 people who didn't have Bill Russell in their yeah, top four, which is I, I I'm trying to think of like what the argument would be for not having Bill Russell, but there were people. Okay, so here's another thing, like, but you know how that conversation goes in our in that redraft that we did. The you know, I was the one to pick Bill Russell. I don't give a damn. I'll I'll say it, and I I got him with like the 15th or so or, or so pick. But the reality is, there were people in there saying like, oh, he would just be you know Capella. It's like stop this. You can't like and and again, this sounds hypocritical because of what I just what we both just said about Bob Cousy, but. Bill Russell, I still feel like you know, I still feel like he's a player that you could pop, you could pop him in any area, and, and he would be effective. Specifically because he was so such a terror on on, on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough Bill Russell tape to honestly tell to to confidently be like he'd be like this. And I've seen people be like he would be a better rebounding version of Ben Wallace, or he would be you know this or that. And I don't know, man. He had some big scoring games that matter too. Like I'm pretty sure he had like a 30-30 game against Wilk mm-hmm. or something. I, you and know, it's well. I don't know how he would play today, and and the the thing is like it, that's a different conversation. Yes, you know this. That I don't know what do you want to say. Greatness, best. If, if we do talk about like would they be better or worse today, he probably wouldn't be better today. But in his era, he was like inarguably the greatest player, and he yeah. was the most successful player, and everybody wanted to play with him, and you know spoke his praises. So, you know, that's that. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get off the Celtics, but the one thing I really, really want to say is Paul Pierce shouldn't be in the top four, especially since Kevin McHale was a greater player all time than him. Uh, Dennis Johnson was probably as well, but I'll leave it alone. <laughs> if I was if I wasn't you know so invested, I I could see Pierce over McHale. I, I could do it, but like McHale was a more valuable piece to three title teams. So whatever. Yep. Um, okay, moving on. We're gonna go to Philly. Now Philly's interesting because. The three of the four best players that ever played for this team didn't play the majority of their careers for this team. In, in Julius Irving, Moses Malone, uh, well, really, Charles Barkley and Will Chamberlain. So um, I was pretty interested in the voting here, and it shook out, shook out like this. Barkley just missed. He was the honorable mention. Interesting. Okay. Moses Malone came in fourth. Will Chamberlain came in third. Julius Irving came in second. Do you know who came in first? It's Iverson. Iverson. And at first I was like, Iverson is the worst player out of those guys. And I was instantly like, ugh. But at the same time, he he was Philly. Yes. And he was there like the majority of his career, through his prime, got the MVP. Um, and, and, and I guess, you know, a large part of the voters probably weren't around for Moses and Dr. J winning the title in 83. So I get it. This was the one. So remember last week when I put Rodman on on two different teams because he had multiple titles on both teams. Yeah. Um, I didn't put Dr. J on this one because I've got him coming up later. Obviously, um, I actually had Wilt, Moses, Barkley, and Iverson. 
Uh, shout out to the honorable mention. Obviously, you know, the, and these guys, you know, they, they played before. A lot of the folks on Twitter, you know, watched. But Hal Greer, Billy Cunningham, and Mo Cheeks, the aforementioned Mo Cheeks. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I have I, – I would be stunned if anybody didn't have Iverson on their list. He doesn't necessarily have to be one. But he meant so much for that city and so much for that organization that you can't have a Mount Rushmore in Philly without Iverson. Yeah, I, I hummed and I hawed on on the the Philly between Iverson and Chuck. Yeah, I was I was putting Moses and, and Dr. J because that '83 title I think matters. Mm-hmm. You know, Wilt Wilt's one of the you know five to eight best players to ever do it. All the records, etc. Yeah. Getting over Russell, all that matters. Um, and then I I actually did pick Iverson over Barkley because I even though he spent more time as a Sixer than he did as a Sun, I think of Barkley as a Sun. I think about, you know, the finals run, I think about the MVP, and that might be, like, my age showing, but that was my that was my tiebreaker. So, I, it, it, what's funny <clears throat> about it is, I watched his entire career, and even though, like you said, he played more for the Sixers, and yes, when I think of him, you know, when I think of, you know, round mound, you know, Chuck, I think of the Sixers, but if I think about him, like, I close my eyes and I say Charles Barkley, I envision the, that run with the Suns, that MVP season, and all of the, you know, all of the, you know, the great stuff that he did there, so. Yeah, so, f- fair enough. Um, Joel Embiid did get 23 votes. Stop it. <clears throat> I, you know, Look, I put him on there because I didn't want to deal with the comments of people being like, Joel Embiid, of which apparently 23 people would have tweeted me that. Uh-huh. But uh, he, he, did get a, he did get more votes than anyone else not mentioned. So he got more votes than Dolph Shays, Andre Godala, Hal Greer, Billy Cunningham, Mo Cheeks. So I got, got if that helps you. He got more Hall of Famers and... Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. got it. Got it. Um, Brooklyn Nets. And you know what I said last week about the Indiana one being sad? This one is sad. <laughs> the, the Nets list was sad. And I could, I was like, is it disrespectful to put Brooke Lopez on the pole? Like, is he really, is it disrespectful to put Carrie Kittles in the pole? But they got votes, man. So um, the Brooklyn Nets uh, had Brooke Lopez was the honorary mention. Uh, Richard Jefferson is the fourth spot. Vince Carter was the third. Julius Irving was the second. And Jason Kidd was first. How did that feel? <laughs> I'm just like, I, I did when I started doing it. I was like, there's no way Vince will make it, but he did lead the team in scoring like five, six years, so he's yeah, got to be on this list. But then I was like, man, he's really, he's got to really be in here. Like, they need him to get a solid four. Yeah, yeah, he they do. Um, so Vince is on two. Vince is going to be on two. Dr. J's on two. Uh, I'm assuming Moses is going to be on two. It'll be interesting to see who, how many guys made two yeah. at the end. Yeah. But yeah, this one is whack. This one, Minor this one is getting smoked in the league-wide all-time team uh, game because woof. Yeah, without question. Mine very quickly, and yeah, it's Jason Kidd, Dr. J, Vince Carter, and actually the curveball I threw in there is Kenny Anderson, just because I really liked watching Kenny Anderson play when I was young. Yeah, you know what? I put in Kenyon Martin as my fourth. I liked him too. And I, I was like, I looked back and I was like, oh, maybe he shouldn't have been there. But at least I remembered him being on those finals team and then picking him high. Was he one or two? I think he was one out of Cincinnati, right? Yeah. I think he was one as well, yeah. Broken kneecap, if I'm not mistaken. Darren Williams was only 20 votes back of Brooks to be the honorary mention. 
So. Dar- hey, Darren was nice. Like, okay, so the thing of it is, like, he went there and I recognized everybody, you know, everybody, you know, didn't necessarily, lo- you know, wasn't in love with the way that, he, you know, he exited uh, Utah and kind of forced his way there. But Darren Williams was really nice for, you know, for several years. Everybody that was paying attention, we knew when the conversation came up, it was, all right, so is it Darren Williams or is it Chris Paul? Now, ultimately, it shakes out that it's going to be Chris Paul, but there, that was a conversation for several seasons. See, but the, here's the thing. I feel like all due respect to Tony Jones, who's my guy from Utah and, uh-huh. and has those Utah shades on. I'll yes. excuse Tony from this conversation, but huh. I felt like you were telling on yourself if – because I remember these debates, heated debates on forums long mm-hmm. before Twitter. Mm-hmm. And like Darren Williams or Chris Paul would pop up like every month. I felt like you were telling on yourself if you'd rather have Darren Williams than Chris Paul. I Okay, I was like, just to be clear, I was a Chris Paul guy. But yeah. Yeah, no, I got you. Um, like no, Darren was really nice in Utah for a couple of years. And was. in New Jersey, he was good until they went to Brooklyn. And then he was okay. And then he fell off a, you know, a bus. But yeah, um, yeah no. No. Uh, um, the Darren, the Darren, I, I do remember, I'm sure we could find some great hot takes of like the, when Brooklyn trades for New Jersey trades for Darren and then there were the Mello was like the consolation prize type uh-huh. articles. Not that either of them really left, lived up to expectations, but you know, uh, but, uh, you know, what one guy we didn't mention, he would have absolutely been on this list. Drazen Petrovic. Yeah, you're a younger, so but Drazen was nice, nice, like for real, for real. Not just, not just urban legend, nice. nice. I should have put him on, but he only played two seasons there. I know, I know. Like, like, it, it, it's it, you know, it's unfortunate. And he's one of those guys who would hold up because he had a bunch of tricks. Uh-huh. He had a hell of a handle. He could shoot the three ball, so he he would hold up today. Not that that matters to this conversation, but I I just. Let me look at how many other votes I got. I got no. I, I didn't get very many other votes. So not many people were thinking of him. But yeah, no, yeah, he yeah over Kenyon Martin or Kenny Anderson maybe. But yeah, again, two years is tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um. So last one, Knicks. This one deeply upset me. Oh. This one deeply. Upset oh, Melo was number one. No, he's not number one. But <laughs> okay, so the honorary. No, I'm gonna go the other way. Number one was Patrick Ewing. As it should be. I don't think so. Number two was Walt Frazier. Okay. <clears throat> number three was Carmelo Anthony. And number four was Bernard King. So who is missing that should obviously be on this fucking list? There's several, because Willis Reed's got to be in there. Yeah, Will- how is Willis Reed not on this list? Er, okay, so mine is completely different. I'm going to be up front with you. Other, by the way, the reason why Pat should be number one is obviously there's you know there's there's champions on this list, but much like we talked about Iverson as the heart of Philly, there's a large portion of New York that absolutely identifies Patrick Ewing as the heart of this, the heart of the Knicks, and the heart of the city. Okay, let, let, let's let's just run through this. Um, what's the most iconic moment in Knicks history? Oh, see. <laughs> we gonna make we gonna make Knicks fans mad at us too. Okay, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, for no, for real. There's one moment I I can think of that like clearly comes don't, to don't, the top. Don't say Jordan dunking on him baseline. No, 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 no. What? Willis Reed in the tunnel. Willis oh, okay. Reed playing hurt, coming out of the tunnel, right? <laughs> yeah. How many I, I, titles? How many how many championships did the Knicks have? What two? Two. Who who was the captain of those teams? Oh no, that's the reason why Willis Reed has to be on the list. But that's what I'm saying. How many fucking MVPs have the Knicks had? Again, one. People, How does this guy not make not, the list? People are yeah. Well, no, it, it should absolutely be on the list. Like the fact. Wait, he wasn't even honorable mention. 
he was the honorable mention. That's what I'm saying. That's what pissed me off. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was fine with Mello or King at four. Yeah. I even thought Allen Houston kind of had a sneaky, you know, shot at, at, at four. Because he's fourth in scoring all time on the Knicks list. Top ten in win chairs. Gave him a lot of good minutes. But, you know, like, Willis Reed is one to me. Patrick Ewing is two. And Walt Frazier is three. And then I was good with, with King or Mello as four. But Reed getting punted really was annoying. Yeah. But but let's best be real. It, it Twitter is not necessarily looking back at the seventies. It, it like whether it's right or wrong, you know. But they, they had Walt Frazier at two, and is that like strictly because of his, his broadcasting of, career? Yeah. Because of the broadcasting career, because of the suits, because like they recognize the face. If Willis Reed comes on TV without you know you know without his name underneath him underneath his picture, a lot of folks are not knowing who that is. You know, I can't remember how many I did this too. Like this is one of my first throwback story here when i was at dime magazine before up rock spot dime uh one of my first articles that i got thrown was uh my editor sean sweeney who actually worked with kobe uh before passing away was on the oscar team but never mind i I digress um threw me a bone he's like hey give me like a best players ever season but throw a spin on it or something make it different and uh so i i looked up like a bunch of things trying to figure out a different way to categorize it and there was only like 11 guys all time who had won the MVP, the finals MVP, a title, and an all-star MVP in the same year. Ooh, hold on. And Willis Reed was one of them. Okay. Uh, Kobe Bryant wasn't, and so he wasn't on the list because all 11 guys on the list had done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was my intro to Kobe fans threatening oh. to kill me in the comments because they didn't even read the article and missed that it was literally impossible for me to put him on given the criteria. But yeah, Willis Reed did that, like Shaq did that, Jordan did that, LeBron did that. Anyway, it, it, it's like a really short list. It, it, it's, I don't know. Will, Willis Reed should have been on this list is my long-winded approach here. He, he needed to be here. I'm with you on that. Quite frankly, Earl Monroe deserved to be on there before a lot of the people that uh, you, you even mentioned just now. Well, I, I don't mind Earl Earl the Pearl missing just because I do think of him from, as a bull. But, That's fine. You know, Black Jesus, yeah. though. Black yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so anyways, we could have just debated a lot of numbers. Like, if you had Earl at four, I would have been mad. Mellow at four, I would have been mad. King at four, I would have been mad. But Reed needed to be in there with you and Frazier. Agreed. Shaking my head, man. Okay, so next week we are going to do what I say we're going to do. Well, we're going to continue to do the divisions. I don't remember. Oh, Southeast. Sorry. Yeah, we're going to do Southeast. We're going to finish the Eastern Conference. So Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, tune in so I can not let Dwayne Wade be on the Miami Heat team. Oh, no, just, just kidding. <laughs> I don't I don't hate Wade, uh, Wade like that. It's not his fault the officials, you know, took money behind the scenes. Um, uh, if, if you haven't liked, rated, and subscribed to, podca- subscribe to the podcast, please do. I'm on Twitter at Josh Everly. Jabari's on Twitter at Jabari Davis NBA. And we will ba- be back with episode 11 and the Southeast Division Mount Rushmore reveal on Monday. 